always use that uh, last worship song just to make sure that my heart is ready to stand up here. You see, I take it as a very serious thing. And one of the things the Lord just reminded me of is I was uh, worshiping there and, and praying there right before I came up is who he is. But I said, Lord, I don't have anything to bring before you. I have your word, the truth, the Bible. I, I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me and, and I have Jesus's redemption over me and that's all I have to bring before you. And God said, that's all you need. And so today, if you know God's word, have God's word, if you've trusted Jesus as your savior and the Holy Spirit resides in you and you allow that spirit to have its reign in your life, you have a lot. And I pray that you're reminded of that now. I also pray that you'll take your Bibles. We will uh, continue through the book of Exodus, but as I have for the last couple, three weeks, I'm going to send you someplace else. 1 Kings chapter 21, 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 through 16, might be a passage that you have read, or it might be a passage that you're going, you know, I've never really paid attention to that before, but 1 Kings chapter 21, go to verse 1, it's on page 417 in the Pew Bible. Now, while you're turning there, this morning we continue to study through the book of Exodus. We have been now for the ninth week, today being the ninth week going through the Ten Commandments of Exodus chapter 20. Today we're on commandment number nine, which is found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. And it reads like this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, the ninth commandment says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now I want to clarify just a couple of things before we move beyond that just a little bit. False witness is a person who deliberately gives false testimony. A lie is to make an untrue statement with the intent to deceive. And if you recall in that commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Well, if we recall, Jesus has already taught us in Scripture who our neighbor is. Now, we're not going to go there. It's just a reminder that Jesus has taught us that our neighbor is everyone or anyone. And so Exodus chapter 20, verse 16 says, you shall not be a false witness. You shall not lie against anyone. You know, lying starts about as soon as a person can talk. Scripture tells us that. Experience tells us that. But Scripture says in Psalm chapter 58, verse 3, Scripture said, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. And I read that and I said, that cannot be true. I had Addie Day on Friday. This little girl that's about to turn one year old, there is no way that she will ever lie. <laughs> And we laugh because we know that no matter who she is or how she is, lying is one of those things that is, becomes natural in us that we should fight. So why? Why do we lie? Well, I think the basic bottom line answer, the bottom cut to the chase answer is we lie to get what we want. 
Just think about that. Why do people lie? They lie to get what they want. Now I went into more detailed reasons why people might tell you that they lie. I think they all fall under to get what you want. But let me just give you a list. Number one reason why I saw online researching in books about why people lie is one, to avoid punishment. Some people lie because they're insecure. Some are afraid of the truth. Some lie because they don't know something. Some lie because they think they're going to protect something or someone by their lie. Some lie to maintain their privacy. Some lie to, because of a fear of rejection. Some lie because they want to be highly thought of, which means that some lie because of a prideful attitude. You know, lying is everywhere. I was watching a TV show last week. It comes on uh, one of the big networks, and it's called The Hustler. I don't know if you've seen it before or not, but the basic premise is, is you have five people in a room, four contestants, and one person called The Hustler, except nobody knows who anybody is. And through a process of trivia and answering questions about the life of The Hustler, you are to try to determine who the hustler is. Even the host doesn't know who it is. Which means that one person knows all of the answers. And every time you get a right answer, you make more money. And at the end of the show, there's going to be money given away. So you've got this person in the room that if nobody figures out they're the hustler, the hustler wins all the money. But if you figure out who the hustler is, you win all the money. So just position, what this hustler's got to do is they know all the answers and they want to make money, but they've got to be careful because if they just out themselves too much, everybody will know they're the hustler and then they'll lose. And so the whole show is about deception and lies and trying not to be figured out to be the hustler. And we are hustlers many times in life. That's why God teaches us in his word so much about bearing false witness or so much about lying. You see, we can lie with our words. We can lie with our expressions. I did a lot of study this week. Do you know and watch this? Do you know? My wife says that I'm a terrible liar. Hopefully it's because I don't have a lot of practice. But one of the things that you can do is we give ourselves away. Do you know that your face will give a lie away before you can even try to keep your face from giving you away? It's a natural tell. Something will let you know that that person is lying. We can lie by our expressions. We can lie by our actions. Anytime we misrepresent intentionally, we're bearing false witness. We're lying. And church, let me tell you, we can lie by withholding the truth. So you mean, Jeff, I can lie and say nothing? Yes, if you know the truth and you say nothing, that's a lie. Lying is so pervasive that we have names for them. Big, fat, bold face, little white. Yeah, you guys know those phrases, right? And we've also created phrases to help convince people when we're actually trying to tell them the truth. We make statements like, I promise. 
I swear, I cross my heart and hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. That just seems like the truth would be easier, right? We even make statements to people, we say, I'm not lying. Or this is a true story. Like every other story you've told me means it's not been true. And lying can become a habit. Just a natural way of life if we're not careful. A.W. Pink says this about lying. I think it's a great definition. He said, now a lie, properly speaking, consists of three elements or ingredients. Speaking what is not true, deliberately doing so, and doing so with an intent to deceive. Do you notice those three parts? Now, every now and then, we will make a mistake, and somebody will say, oh, you're lying. Sometimes we get into a falsehood, and a falsehood, by definition, is going to miss one of those categories. You see, sometimes we're just misinformed. Sometimes we're just incorrect, and sometimes we have no desire to deceive. You know, it's the heart that gives away that issue in our lives. So I'd like us to look at an example from God's Word. We're going to stand. Let's stand together, read from 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 through 16. I'm going to read this passage for us. 1 Kings chapter 21, picking up in verse 1, let's read together. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth saying, give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is near next to my house and for it I will give you a vineyard better than it or if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. So Ahab went into his house, sullen and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and he turned away his face and he would not eat food. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said, why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? And he said to her, because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, give me your vineyard for money or else if it pleases you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Then Jezebel, his wife said to him, you now exercise authority over Israel. Arise, eat food and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. And she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent the letters to the elders and the nobles who were dwelling in the city with Naboth. She wrote in the letter saying, Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth with high honor among the people, and seat two men, scoundrels, before him to bear witness against him, saying, You have blasphemed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him that he may die. So the men of this city, the elders and the nobles who were inhabitants of this city, did as Jezebel had sent to them, as it was written in the letters which she had sent to them. They proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth with high honor among the people. And two men, scoundrels, came in and sat before him, and the scoundrels witnessed against him, against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. Then they took him outside the city and stoned him with stones so that he died. Then they said to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. 
And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. So it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open for just a few minutes, please. Now, this story, I think, is very easy to understand. Ahab wanted something. He wanted Naboth's vineyard. Now, it appears as though Naboth was his next-door neighbor. It appeared as though King Ahab wanted the land. The Scripture tells us he wanted it to plant a garden of vegetables. Now, I think that's interesting information about Ahab, but I'm not sure it plays into the importance of the story. Ahab was willing to pay for the property or willing to trade for the property, but he does not get what he wants. You see, Naboth says, I can't give you my father's inheritance. This is the family farm and we're not giving it up. There's nothing you can do. It's worth more to me than anything. I'm not going to let that go. So basically, as we read in the scripture, Ahab goes home and pouts. Did you see what he did? He goes home, he lays on the bed, he turns away, turns toward the corner, he doesn't say anything, and he doesn't eat. He's just having a real pout party right now because he didn't get what he wanted. Have you ever felt that way? Nobody in here has felt that way. <laughs> Maybe people online have felt that way. I'm not sure. But, but Ahab is pouting. So much so that his wife comes in and she says, what is wrong with you? And he basically says, I didn't get what I wanted. I told him I wanted it, he wouldn't give it to me. So now I'm mad and I'm just not going to eat. I heard that phone last week. <laughs> and Ahab says, I didn't get what I want, so now I'm just mad. And Jezebel says these very enlightening words that she says, but you're the king. You could do anything you want to do. You're the king. Don't we sometimes feel that way? That we can just do anything we want. Who are you to tell me no? Who are you to tell me I can't? Who are you to try to tell me what to do. And we pout and we react. Now, I don't know that you've ever had a pity party like that where you didn't get what you wanted. But she said, you're the king. You can get whatever you want. Just do what it takes. So she devises, you know, Jezebel, she's such a loving wife, take care of her husband this way. Jezebel comes up with this plan and she writes letters. But notice, church, I don't want to make Ahab the victim here. Ahab, his seal. Ahab, his paper to his people. So Ahab knows what's going on. We're going to see in just a minute that we clearly know that Ahab knows what's going on. She devises this plan to have Naboth killed. Let's have a get-together, bring all the nobles, all the people together. Let's put Naboth in the prime seat and then at just the right time, these two scoundrels, we use this phrase twice, 
These two scoundrels are going to bring a false witness against Naboth. They're going to say he's blasphemed the king and he's blasphemed God. Do you know that in that day and time, they didn't have forensics and they didn't have CSI and they didn't have detectives and all this stuff. What they had were witnesses. And if you could find people who would agree on the same thing, it was considered the truth. And so this happened just like we read. And at this party that they're having, they, these scoundrels, they bring false witness against Naboth. And they said, he's blasphemed the king and he's blasphemed God. Two witnesses came up and said that. They drug him out of the party, drug him out of the town, and they stoned him. And he died. That's the challenge that we're facing. Have you ever had to lie to get what you want? Maybe not to the extreme that Ahab and Jezebel have, but have you lied, cheated, held back the truth? Yep, I said it again. Not sharing the truth is a lie by omission. Now, we know based upon commandment number nine that God does not want us to lie. But many other scriptures give us more detail about how he, God, feels about lying. Now, if your scripture is still open, let me read verses 17 through 19 of 1 Kings chapter 21. It's right there, right where we left off. Right after he took possession of it in verse 17, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he had gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. Wow. Those are strong words, church. Now, I want to encourage you to read more of this story. Because if you're going, well, I want to hear the rest of it. I hope you do, and I pray that you'll go home and you'll read 1 Kings chapter 21, just like we did. And then when you get to the end, you'll keep reading all the way through 1 Kings chapter 22, and you will see that Ahab gets what God says he has coming. But what we need to understand when we read this and understand this, that God said, Elijah, come here. I want you to go to Naboth's vineyard where Ahab just took possession of it. I don't know how long the time has passed, but God knew exactly what had happened. Do you know that you can probably lie and get away with it with me? I'm going to trust you first, and I'm going to believe you first, but you cannot ever lie and get away with it from God. He knew where Ahab was and what he had done, and he said, Elijah, you go tell him his time is done, all because of bearing a false witness. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 says this, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Church, that's a really strong word. But those who deal truthfully are his delight. God looks at people and he sees two kinds, truth tellers and those who lie. One delights him and the other, abomination. Now, I want to read to you, you can make this in your notes, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 to 19. I'm going to read this to you, but listen to this. Proverbs 6, 
16. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Here are those seven things, church. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devised wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Did you notice that in that scripture right there that scripture points out that God hates seven things and two of those seven things have to do with not telling the truth, having a lying tongue and a false witness who speaks lies. Two out of seven things. God really doesn't like this lying thing at all. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus speaks about it to some people. And he, in John chapter 8, verse 44, he says this, talking to the people that are not telling the truth. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning that does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Do you know that from the first moment we are introduced in Scripture to Satan, that he does nothing but lie? His first words were a lie, a deception. And Jesus says, if you lie, you are like your father, Satan. Satan is the father of lies. God's Word also shows that he's pretty strong in his judgment for lying, for following Satan. Revelation chapter 21, verses 7 and 8 have some strong words. Revelation 21, 7 and 8. Make that, mark that down in your notes. Reads like this. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. It's a great verse, except it keeps going. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Wow. I was with him up to a certain point, and then he sort of got personal there. Church, we need to understand God does not like lies, hates them, Scripture says, and will not tolerate them in our lives. Not only is God against lying and bearing the false witness. I really wanted to turn this positively. And you're going, well, this is going to be a trick. This has been so encouraging so far. <laughs> well, let me tell you, God is not just the God who says don't. God is the God who says do. So let's look for just a second about what God says. God is for the truth. Always for the truth. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse, verse 4 says, God of truth. Proverbs 30, verse 30, verse 5. Every word of God is truth. Daniel chapter 10, verse 21. God's word as scripture of truth. John chapter 17, verse 17. Jesus said of God, your word is truth. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Psalm 33, verse 4, the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. And Psalm 100, verse 5, his truth endures to all generations. 
Since God is the source of all truth, it makes great sense. It's very reasonable that he would require his servants, those of us that have yielded our lives to him, those of us that have come before him and accepted Jesus, it makes total sense that he would expect us to always speak truthfully. So we face a choice. Follow God's example of truthfulness and honesty in all of our words and all of our actions, or follow the originator of lies. Now, not only are we not to lie, we are to tell the truth. You see, truth in Scripture is defined as a person. Truth is a calling. Truth is an action. Now, if you want to turn with me to this one, you can. Zechariah chapter 8. Now, go to Matthew, go backwards to Malachi, and right before Malachi, you'll be at Zechariah. It's on page 1097 in the Pew Bible. Zechariah chapter 8. I'm going to read two verses for you. Zechariah chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. Love, 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 here in Paige's turn. I'm going to give you just a second to get there because what God wants to say to us here is important. Zechariah chapter 8, picking up in verse 16, reads as this. These are the things you shall do. Speak each man the truth to his neighbor. Give judgment in your gates for truth, justice, and peace. Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor, and do not love a false oath for all these things that I hate, says the Lord. The Lord says, okay, let's not worry about not lying. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do the following things. I want you to speak the truth to your neighbor. Seems simple, right? Just speak the truth. Give good judgment, good guidance, good justice, good peace. You know, sometimes people ask you things and you're going, well, I know what to tell you, but I'm afraid you're not going to take it very well. Honey, how's this dress look? Huh? I didn't hear you, right? But let's assume that the people who ask you this desire the truth. Let's assume that you love and care for them. They deserve the truth. But let's also realize that when we become hesitant to answer truthful questions to those most closest to us, there's a grammar problem there someplace. we will diminish the truth in all of our extended relationships as well. You see, the truth begins personal and then in circles in your life. And if you're not going to be truthful to those closest to you, you will never be truthful to those away from you. Give good judgment, good guidance, good peace. Scripture also says, let your thoughts be good as well. It's not just enough for us to say good things, we must allow the Lord to work in our lives so that the truth penetrates our hearts and we think 
good things as well. And then it goes on to say, and do not support or encourage lying from others. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where all of a sudden what was being said, you go, oh, I shouldn't be here. This is not what God would want me to do. But do you know by remaining and remaining silent, you validate it? Scripture would teach us that we either need to excuse ourselves, I'm not sure this is a conversation I should be a part of as a child of God, or we stand for the truth and we go, let me tell you, that's just not true. But to remain silent in situations is to lie. Church, if we do these things, speak the truth to our neighbor, give good judgment, guidance, and feedback to people. Let our thoughts be trained by God to be good thoughts and do not support or encourage lying from others. Church, if we do these things, there are certain areas of our lives that we must be careful and watch. Just to consider a few, we can't lie. You can't make oaths or swearing in order to help people understand that what you're saying, you want them to believe. You don't get to gossip. And I don't care if it's true or not. If it's not part of your responsibility, you don't need to be a part of it. Slander. Slander is talking negatively about somebody. You don't need to be a part of it. Exaggeration. Now, exaggeration, that's one of those words that we typically make little good things to be big good things. We can't exaggerate. We can't make things worse than they are, and we can't make things better than they are. We cannot exaggerate. Our, our word has to stand for something, and when we exaggerate, we weaken the strength of the words that we say. Perjury. Perjury is illegally withholding the truth. Cheating. Yes, even at games with your kids after they beat you over and over and over again. <laughs> Cheating. We cannot seek to hurt someone with words. We must keep our commitments. You see, not keeping your commitment is a lie. And failing to stand for the truth. Church, not standing for the truth will hurt you and could hurt others. I want you to turn one final place for me. Turn to John chapter 3. You see, God has told us, don't lie. But then he said, but you can tell the truth. I want you to tell the truth. I saved you to tell the truth. I've called you to tell the truth. I put you in the position you're in for you to tell the truth. So let's just make sure that we understand what the truth is. John chapter three, picking up in verse 16, you're going, oh, I know that verse. Well, let's pick up in that verse and read. John chapter three, picking up in verse 16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. 
And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he, catch this church, but he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Let me just validate the truth with a few points, summary points. God loves you. Do you know how many people in this world do not know that God loves them? You know that God loves them. And if you don't tell them, you're lying. He gave his son, Jesus, for us. That's the truth, church. And through that, we can have forgiveness, salvation, and redemption. Amen? We must believe in Jesus. And therefore, no condemnation comes to those who believe. Men must choose between light and dark. You're either a truth teller or you're a liar. And your deeds, they support what you believe. What you believe, truly believe, will come out in how you act. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I came to bring life. You know what he said before that, though? He said, Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to bring life. Not just any old life, but full, abundant life. That's the truth, church. Ephesians 4.15 says, we are called to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32 says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, these are people that are coming to know Jesus. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know, there are people that are bound up right now and the truth of Jesus will set them free. Philippians chapter four, verses eight and nine. says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, Paul says, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So what if the people around you go, what if you went to them and they go, we're going to act just like you do? What if the people who come to me go, Jeff, we're going to act just like you do? You claim to know Jesus. You seem like a good guy. We're going to live just like you lived. Wow, what a responsibility. But that's what Paul says. He says, we should so live before people that they can use the breadcrumbs of our lives to be drawn to the truth of Jesus. And they will see that that truth is real when that truth changes us. And Paul said, I'm done with all the lies, I'm only going to tell the truth. Church, the truth 
will set you free. God's not. By saying in the ninth commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor, God's not trying to take anything from you. God's trying to bless you. He's trying to free you up by concentrating on the truth. So right now, the Spirit of God and the truth of God are convicting some that you're lying. And you have an opportunity to fix it today. It doesn't have to go on any longer. You can fix it today. Some of you are withholding the truth by your very lives. You're not sharing the truth of the gospel and you're withholding the truth from people who need to know the truth of God. You can fix that today by sharing Jesus. And some of you online or in the room might be living a lie. You're claiming one thing, but you're believing another. And that's why your life and your words and your actions do not sync with each other. Today, you can become honest with God and settle that spiritual battle once and forever. Thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor, anyone. Thou shalt share the truth. Amen? Amen. I love it when somebody doesn't just tell me to stop doing something, but they tell me what I'm supposed to start doing. And I pray that's what God's Word has done for each of us this morning.